add on it. He rose again the third day according to Scripture. What's that mean? He rose again. That means you as a believer will rise again. He raised himself up. He has the power to raise you up. And so when that happens, the moment we are in a glorified state, if you can just live with that always right here. You know, you go about your day, you get busy and everything, but it's always got to be right there and right here. I'm telling you, it's, it's a life-changing thing once you get that. And uh, I'll say this. The victory is won. But listen, don't expect to feel that way and have that kind of joy if you live like somebody who doesn't really believe the gospel. If you live in a carnal state of mind, if you live in the flesh, don't think it's going to just still be joy. I just have to say that. Some people think that. Being saved is one thing. We'll come back to this in a minute, but being saved is one thing. Living in the Spirit is another. Amen. Uh, who's got 1 Peter 4? Yes, Kim. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved, think it... Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Upon their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Amen. Nothing more need be said if you, if you understand what you just read. That's the, now, I'm not saying I've arrived. I have to live in the Spirit. I have to live this. I have to pray and ask the Lord to help me to keep that frame of mind. You don't know how many times that I've gotten so upset with my computer that I want to just take a sledgehammer to it. And, uh, I, and Jenny will come in and try to fix it because I'm in there going, Oh, this piece of garbage. I'm so tired of this. It's wasting my day. You know, she'll come in and say, what, what can I do? I said, you can't fix it. You're not going to be able to. And, uh, yeah, she's helped out on occasion when it's a software thing. But when it's, or when it's maybe uh, something that I didn't know that, you know, it's, they got little booby traps in there, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> But most of the time, it's nothing that you can really do anything about. I'll just go out. I leave. Yeah, get a bigger hammer. I leave the room. I'll go sit and, you know, steam come out of my ears. I'm so angry. And I'll sit there for a little while. And then I'll just keep talking to the Lord. I'll say, Lord, I know. Yeah, you know, hey, you know. I'm this is how I talk to you. Lord, you know I'm giving it my best. But as long as I have to deal with that garbage, the, pro, the product is always going to be, you know, biblical and everything, but the amount of output is going to be less because of the, and a lot of that goes back to, I know you, some people think I'm crazy when we say this, but our, uh, you've heard it before, our work ethic is going out the window, and it's because we have the culture of Sodom. The more we have the culture of Sodom, the more the work ethic goes out the window. The more developers don't develop for the people that they're serving, they just do what they can and get by with to get a paycheck. That's computers. Same thing's happening with anything you own. Your cars, your refrigerators, your washing machines. Doesn't matter whether it's digital or it's even hands-on, hardcore stuff. It doesn't matter. The desire to do a good job and to please God 
is out the window, and when they don't want to please God, then they don't care about pleasing you either. I could go on and on about that, but point number two then, and these are all interconnected as we go, pray without ceasing, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Now, as a young Christian, that was kind of a challenge for me uh, at first because I thought it meant like pray every waking moment. And so I was trying to figure out how can I pray while I'm, you know, I'm on the phone talking to somebody because I've worked on the phone a lot. And, and how can you pray when you're sleeping? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. How many of you kind of struggle with this? You're wondering, how can you pray without ceasing? But it just means, don't overthink it. Pray daily, pray often, and never stop. That's what it means. I love Jenny without ceasing. That doesn't mean that every moment of every day, that's all I'm thinking about. Uh, I love the Lord. I love you all. Uh, I love uh, Hot Fudge Sundays and Black Licorice. But that doesn't mean that that's all I ever think about. And that's the same thing with prayer. Uh, one thing that uh, some people have taken this to, to mean is the call to go into a monastery. God has not called us to go into a monastery. Never. The Amish I mentioned, I think, last week, they're wonderful people in a lot of ways, and I, I enjoy going to Amish country and everything, but God never called us to do that. There's nothing biblical about uh, separating from the world in the physical sense to the point where you won't even use electricity, and a lot of them are backsliding and using that now. Um, sad, uh, unnecessary deaths taking place because just yesterday or the day before, a semi-truck slammed into the back of one of those carriages and a lady was killed um, because they're out on the highways with horse and buggies. I mean, it's just a sad thing. That's not what God has ever called us to do when it comes to praying. He's not calling us to a monastery. Jesus and his apostles would have set up monasteries if that were the case. There's not a single example of Jesus and the apostles setting up monasteries. You know what they set up? Local churches. That's what they did. So it's just a kind of crazy thing in Christian history. Who's got Colossians 1, 3 to 5, Jim? But throughout Christian history, people have been doing that, and it's just so unbiblical. Go ahead and read that. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love of, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So obviously, he said praying always for you. He didn't mean all the time, 24-7. So don't overthink it. What he's saying is they love the believers in the city of Colossae, the Colossian church, and they prayed for them always. Uh, we pray for people when we know that there's something we you know we pray we have special prayer after we turn off the live stream but then there's people that we pray for on a daily basis until god comes through and and things change and all that but it's not a um, monk uh type of or mystical how many of you have heard like brother lawrence you heard of that the practice of the presence they call it that's where he, he advocated to walk around and all day long just saying, the, Jesus, over and over in your head, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's nothing biblical about that. And Jesus said not to do that. He said not to use uh, vain repetition. But people, well-meaning people get caught up in that stuff. Number three is verse 18. 
In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now listen, it does not say to give thanks for everything. And there's one place where that act, the Bible says something close to that, but it, the context isn't about giving thanks for everything without any qualifications. And this sounds rough, but I've got to say it. You don't give thanks for rape. You don't give thanks for molestation, murder, theft, cancer, heart attack, stroke, and name it. You can just, we all go around the room and everybody can name two or three things, that terrible things that maybe have affected your life. The Bible never tells you to give thanks for that. And there are Christians who do that. Because maybe the new versions say that. I don't know. King James doesn't say that. It says, in everything give thanks. In, not for. In everything. So let's take a woman that, you know, uh, this, stay with the rough stuff here. A woman's raped. How can she give thanks in that? Well, for one thing, uh, if she survived, she wasn't murdered. Um, it, there's things, it, there's some who uh, be thankful they didn't get an STD from it. Well, what if they did get an STD? Well, it doesn't kill them immediately, and most STDs are curable, or at least even HIV, people are living for years. You see what I'm saying? You can give thanks in the midst of these things. You don't give thanks for those things. Life is rough. Bad things happen. Um, you know, I, my story, I try to be very transparent because I think it's important that preachers and pastors let their people know that they have had to overcome things. Uh, it's weird that some preachers uh, don't let anybody know the troubles they go through and everything. But uh, I told you about finding out what it was, but I had this deep, dark depression I was going through. And it's very... Um, uh, just felt like I could just cry, and I just, and I couldn't explain it, and it went for months. I did the research, and of course, my doctor wanted me to go on psych meds, and uh, I, I just let everybody know, pray for me. I'm just going through a rough time, and people did. But then somebody came up and said, "Have you?" Well, I got 101 different cures. You know how that is. Everybody tell me what to do to, uh, you know, get over it. But then somebody says, have you had your vitamin D checked? I thought, that sounds crazy, vitamin D. And so I went to my doctor next time. I said, somebody said I should have my vitamin D level checked. He said, well, we can do that. And he had other things he checked. Come back, and my vitamin D level was so low that it was dangerously close to something. I could have had a heart attack. Now, I didn't even know that was possible. Um, since then, I've had to take a vitamin D2 uh, supplement. Uh, weekly, like 50,000 IUs. But it totally cured my issue. Now, that doesn't mean that's going to fix everybody, but I'm just saying sometimes it is something like that. But, you know, I was going through that. I didn't say, thank you, Lord, for making me feel like I want to die. I didn't do that. But I did say, thank you, Lord, for giving me what strength I have to get through this. And I thank you, Lord, because I know you're going to help me through this. And one, sometime I'm going to come out of the, end, the other end of the tunnel there. I see the little light down there. And when I come out of the end of that tunnel into the light, then I'm going to see how that you carried me through it. I, see, just I know that's true, so that's how I prayed. And sure enough, that's what happened. Some people's battle is worse. Some people's battle is longer. I was telling Jenny about Jack Hanna. Um, some of you might have seen he's 
got really bad Alzheimer's now, and he says he won't be seen in public anymore because it's that bad. But, uh, you know, he's a professing Christian. And uh, he told the story about how what he went through when his daughter, at the age of three, was diagnosed with leukemia. And they thought they were going to lose her. And he talked about the strength he found in prayer in, the, in his local church. Then uh, she got through it. And then ten years later, she has a tumor the size of an orange in her head from the treatments that cured her of leukemia. So here we go again. And he talked about how they all gathered. The preacher came over, and they brought the church family over, and they all gathered around the room in the kitchen, and they all held hands and prayed. And he talked about up to that moment, he just was so upset and doubting and having trouble with God even and everything. And he said at that moment, he had such peace in that moment. So, you know... Uh, he didn't say, thank you, Lord, for leukemia. Thank you, Lord, for this orange-sized tumor in my girl's head. That's not what the Bible's teaching us to do. And some people think they're not good Christians because they don't do that. But that's not what the Bible tells you to do. It tells you that when you're going through these things, while you're going through these things, in those things, give thanks because God is going to come through. God is going to come through. And again, go back to the first point. No matter how bad, and even if something kills you, we don't lose. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. If any man believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's a joy that the world can't take away from you no matter what you're going through. Johnny? I was just thinking, Job would probably be an excellent example of this. Well, yeah. I seem to recall... He never thanked God for taking away everything yeah. from him. Yeah. He just, like, I think his first response was just, well, God can take everything away from me, but he's the Lord. Yeah. The Lord, give, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. So victims should not thank God for what's victimizing them, but you can uh, give thanks in the midst of that trial, whatever it is you're going through, in the midst of such things, we can be thankful. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So give thanks for God's presence. Give thanks for God's love. Hey, listen, He doesn't have to be present. He doesn't have to love you. We all take it for granted. Give thanks for His mercy. His deliverance that you know is coming. His faithfulness. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His promises. He's never let anyone down yet. <laughs> and His salvation. Amen. Who's got Ephesians 5, 19 to 21? Go ahead and read that, Johnny. Speaking to yourselves. In, yep. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, did you miss something there? Did it say to do that when you're feeling good and feeling like it? When everything's going right? Doesn't, does it? 
That's just a general statement. Uh, you know, one of the I think one of the great uh, statements that Peter Ruckman ever I ever heard him say was uh, the difference between Christianity and all other religions is the songbook. They all have a holy book. They have somebody they want you to worship or something, but they don't have hymn books. <laughs> you ever think about that? Why? Because we have something to sing about. And we are people who have a song in the night. That's not true outside of Bible-believing, Christ-centered Christianity. Amen? And point number four, then, is verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. Now, it's, it's, it's very simple. Walking in the flesh quenches his spirit's work in our lives. As I mentioned in the first point, we were going to come back to this. It, you should have joy. You should have peace. And you, it belongs to you. It's, it's your uh, birthright, being born again. It belongs to you, but you can rob yourself of it by walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit. Uh, John Wesley said, The Spirit of God flames in holy love, in joy, prayer, thanksgiving. Oh, quench it not. Damp it not in yourself or others, either by neglecting to do good or by doing evil. That's how you quench the Spirit. You can be outright sinful, and that will quench the Spirit. But you can just not do what you're supposed to do. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Don't preach the gospel to every creature. Don't love thy neighbor. Don't forgive. You know, just don't do the things you're supposed to do, and that'll rob you of your joy and everything, but it'll also quench the spirit in your life. Jenny? It's a lot like a song that mom and dad used to teach in their Sunday school. Um, read your Bible, pray, and read it every day. Pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Yeah. And then it continues, and the opposite yeah. is simple, you know. Yeah. Let your Bible before you have to pray, etc., 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 and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. That's right. That's a that good, easy. yeah, that's a good lesson. Are we used to the emotions? Yeah. Well, I <laughs> because we're <necessary>. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Who's got Galatians 5:16? Oh, we're going to read that together. Yes, it says right there. Go to uh, Galatians 5, 16 to 25. And read the odd with me, so I'll start verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. All right, so back to our text. The fifth point says, despise not prophesying. Now, this uh, refers to uh, specifically to preaching um, because we preach the prophets and the apostles and the apostles themselves are, pro are and were prophets. So that's prophesying. Um, uh, fellow named John Trapp, uh, I'd just like to give you some of the words of other preachers in the past. He said, prophesying, that is preaching, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 3, we'll read in a minute. So called because they took their text out of some of the prophets. Well, we, what's our text? We're from the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul was a prophet. <laughs> and so uh, it's preaching, uh, basically, if it's biblical preaching. Now that's an important uh, you know, uh, qualification for us to bring up. Most, I'd say 90% of the preachers in this country despise prophesying. They do not preach the Bible. They may quote a Bible verse or whatever, but most of what people get when they go to church is uh, 10 or 15 minutes on their behavior and told to come to church and give and all that sort of thing. And uh, they'll have all kinds of psychobabble and all this stuff, but it's not preaching the prophets. It's not verse by verse through Bible uh, study, which is how God wrote it, and that's how he intends us to study it, read it, and to teach it. But that's true of most Christians. I, I quoted the uh, polling done it. 80% of Christians do not read their Bible even once a week. Well, that explains why they all go to those churches. People can only stand this kind of teaching you're here tonight if they love the Word. Now, if I only spoke to Jenny once a week, does it, would that, she wouldn't think I loved her. Well, that's what happens when the only time you crack open your Bible is once a week at church. There's no love there. You don't love your Bible. And so that's why you choose to go to a church that doesn't actually teach the Bible. Ah, oh, man, we like to go where they get all excited. and get out, You know, that kind of thing. And there's good music. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah, rock. You know, that kind of thing. That's what people are after when they're not in love with their Bible. But when they're in love with their Bible, they don't want all that nonsense. They want to go to a church that's going to teach the Bible. Now, there are tens of thousands of us out there. But there are about 300,000 churches. So that gives you the percentages. Who's got 1 Corinthians 14, 4 and 5? Jenny Allball, go ahead and read that. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, just real quick, I want to say that some, there are some churches, I've been in churches, where they have people stand up and say, I have a word from the Lord, thus saith the Lord, and it's not prophecy. 
I mean, very little of what's ever said. I am coming soon. I am coming quickly. Be prepared. That kind of stuff. That's not prophecy. I already know that. You are prophesied. Tell me something I don't know. Then we test you. And if you get it wrong, sit down and shut up. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. So that's why you don't hear, you know, what we're doing is we're not despising prophesying. We're preaching of the prophets, and that's what we're supposed to do. So real quick, uh, coming down to the end here, verse 21 is our sixth point. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Now, this is very simple. Don't receive, repeat, or repost without confirming. If you're a good Bible student listening to me tonight, you're taking notes. Some of you have it all up here, I know. But you're taking note, and you're going to test. You test it while you're sitting there listening, and then sometimes you have to go home and do a little research and look up some Scripture and make sure what Pastor Greg is teaching is so. That's what you'll do. And that, that goes for your social media, too. I've seen Christians repost stuff, some of the dumbest stuff there I've ever seen. And I'll try to nicely say, that's not true. You should, what, did you check that out? If you just do a little research, you'll see that's not true. And uh, people get mad at you. They get angry. It's like, well, who are you to tell me? I'm not telling you anything. I'm just telling you that's not true. And if you do a little research, and then they block you. <laughs> it's crazy. Who's got Acts 17? We're going to see Jenny Miller. Acts 17. This is our attitude right here. This is supposed to be our attitude. Acts 17, 10 through 13. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who, coming thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. So they received the word. That means they come to church hungry to learn. They listen. They take note. And then they search the scriptures daily whether those things are so. It's not just receiving. It's receiving and testing. No. Uh, thanks. And that brings us to our final point. Number seven is verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. How many of you were taught that meant you never walk into a movie theater? You never walk into a grocery store if they sell alcohol. Amen. I, I told you the story of the preacher's wife who, told, who kind of rebuked her husband very nicely because he had his southern gospel music cranked up, and she said, people are going to think you're listening to rock and roll. That's not what this verse is talking about. It's to stay away from evil in all its forms. Evil can appear in many forms, and we're to abstain from all of those appearances of evil. It's, that's, if you get that straight in your mind, you'll understand this text. It's saying that evil can, evil can appear, boys, young men, well, any man of any age can appear as a pretty woman. Or women can be that fella who listens to you and cares, you know? It can appear as someone who doesn't have any self-control can appear in the form of a bottle. Or someone who won't do what's right, won't do what they need to do, and so it comes in a pill. Or it can be a best friend, ladies especially. 
I've seen it more with the ladies than the men, just being honest, how they best friends can pull their friends away from their husbands, away from church. It can appear in any number of ways. Abstain from all appearance of evil. It's not about how things you do may appear to others. That's how it's been taught by most preachers I've ever heard. That's not what it's saying. It's about allowing evil to appear in your life. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. That's what it's teaching. Acts 15.20, But that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled from blood. Um, that last one is uh, pretty... Uh, wild, but uh, there are some groups that drink blood, <laughs> and uh, you should stay away from that. But idols and and fornication—that's homo or hetero sex outside of marriage. Uh, Romans sixteen seventeen. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. How many people have got sucked into the cults? They should have just turned it off right at the beginning, but they got sucked in. They didn't abstain from or avoid the appearance of evil. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And there's people who, for career or whatever reason, don't get married, and instead they fornicate. So they get STDs, they have unwanted pregnancies, and so forth. Second uh, Timothy 2.23, but foolish and unlearned questions, avoid. Yeah, that's true. There'd be people who would start to ask you things and talk to you about things and try to draw you in to get you and get your mind in chaos and everything. Avoid them. Just get away from them. Knowing that they do gender strifes. Uh, one more. First Thessalonians 4.3, we saw this. This for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from fornication. Again, and that's Starts in the head. Pornography. Some men just need to turn off the internet altogether. It's, you ought to have self-control, but you know yourself, and if you don't, and women, it can happen to you too. First Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. That can be TV shows, music, friends, you name it, I'm not going to name it. This is between you and the Lord. If you love the Lord, you are praying and you're asking Him, He will show you these things. I'm not Holy Spirit, I'm Greg Miller. But I'm here to tell you, you should be soul searching before the Lord and asking Him to show you whatever it is you need to abstain from when it comes to the appearance of evil. Who's got 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21? Is that Janie? Yeah. A few pages to the right in your Bible. 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane, vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. I mean, profane and vain babblings, the view. You want me to read that last one? The view. The talk. I mean, it, that's profane and vain babblings. A lot of the political talk shows, even among conservatives, I listen to that stuff, and people tell me they listen to it. I'm like, why would you listen to that? I mean, because they go, you know, a lot of these conservatives even go off and they teach false teachings from the Bible. 
A lot of them are Roman Catholic or agnostic, and they'll take you on a ride if you listen to them. Glenn Beck, Mormon. You know, they, uh, there's there's a number of them. I used to listen to G. Gordon Lindy, and I turned him off because he would get so profane and nasty and talk about women and sex and things like that in addition to conservative politics. I just got tired of it. And that's up to you. I'm just talking about me. I just don't want to listen to that stuff. I don't. It, that's. I think that's what that's talking about. That's also a lot of the preachers people listen to. A lot of the preachers are vain, babbling, and uh, turn them off. It'll rot your soul. Just get into the Word alone with the Lord if you have to. Amen. Amen. So that's our seven points for God's people. Part or segment two, and this is. Uh, the next to last, we'll finish our study of 1 Thessalonians next time, Lord willing. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you teach us line by line in your word. You wrote it as uh, letters, First and Second Thessalonians, as we're studying now. So few Christians read it as a letter. They use the Bible like a cookbook. And we pray, Lord, that we'll always keep our focus on doing things your way, reading and studying the Bible the way you wrote it, applying it to our lives and allowing the Holy Spirit to change us, conforming us to the image of your Son until the time we are taken out of here and glorified. And at that moment, we shall be as he is. We look forward to that so much. And thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's close. Stand if you can. And let's close with a song. This ought to be familiar to most of you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me and I pray you will join me in the way. Jesus' blood paid for our sin. But you must be born again. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He will stay close beside me all the way. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. All God's people say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me.